Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Mojé. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Better, better, better. And we are entering the banter segment. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of Season the JM. So, we had so much fun with our um, last episode guest. We invited him back. And he was so gracious to just agree to stay on. So, uh, Francis, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be back. Thank you for having me back. I, I wasn't sure if last time went, you know, we kind of diverged off topic a bit, quite a lot, for a long time. So, I wasn't sure if I'd be welcome back. <laughs> it's a GM chat. Every topic's on topic. Yeah, pretty sure. much. So, but this one, we actually have a, a pretty tight topic choice because we were talking about what we were on the last episode um we decided we're going to go ahead and dive into online gaming but before we do that what have you guys been up to recently oh just trying to get into the well that whole book thing i did last year the whole writing the sequel to it and sequels on pause Doing something else. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was getting too caught up in the, that particular story, and it wasn't happening, so. <laughs> so you swapped it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm writing down notes for that one, so that way as I get back to it, it'll be stronger, <laughs> so. Okay. Well, I'll have to uh, hit you up, because I'm actually working on a project that is in the earliest developmental stages. But those of you that are familiar with Lovecraft and his shared mythos world, I have actually been working on a project to try to create a new open shared world for games, stories, whatever. So Interesting. Yeah. The same type of mythos kind of thing, or kind of a new setting? It's a new setting. Okay. And as of right now, I'm not willing to discuss any of it yet. Other than it's in the, it's in the, the original, the base group of people that's going to be working on it, there's going to be two of us. And we're going to do the kind of framework of the world. And after that, 
we're going to start bringing people in to either work on stories that they want to write in that world or um, gaming material that they want to do for that world. But it's all going to fall under that weird kind of creative commons okay. thing where everything, but not everything will become canon to the world. So because if somebody decides that they want to do like, uh, you know, some crazy hentai porn thing, that doesn't necessarily make its way in. Oh, we are talking about online gaming now. <laughs> <laughs> online something, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is something. But that's kind of where we're going with it right now. But over the next couple of months, we're probably going to be hammering a lot of stuff out. And once we get the framework up, then I will be talking about it a lot more. So, cool. Yeah. So in the metaphor of dipping your toe into it, you just basically told us there is water there somewhere. Yes, there is water somewhere. Okay. And eventually you'll see the water. Okay. Or feel it. <laughs> so what have you been up to lately, Francis? Uh, well, it's quite an exciting time at work. Uh, things are, are afoot, which are um, providing a, a different challenge, but um, making my days a little bit longer than perhaps I would like. Um, I'm also, as I mentioned in our last episode, I'm, I'm also uh, writing a four-mission series of convention mission packs, which will be debuted at Origins uh, this year, uh, Origins and Gen Con this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm working on those. Um, I have other irons in the fire as well, um, which uh, I will gladly come back and talk about when the time is appropriate, um, and just various other stuff, plus my podcasts. I'm still cranking away on Manor and Steel, uh, recording content, getting stuff out, and uh, and just generally um, enjoying life as, as much as I can, which is, is pretty, you yeah. know. Pretty much a lot, yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, my, my, my personal projects, I've, I've been working on a novel for a couple of years, and that's taken a back burner in order to give me the, the creative juices to spare for, for my current projects. Um, I'll probably return to that, you know, sort of around convention season in the summer uh, nice. once everything's all done and dusted. But yeah, no, it, it's a... Uh, 2019 is, is currently shaping up to be um, looking very promising and looking like it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. Cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> As something happens to my throat. Interesting commentary there. Yeah. Right. Ah. Well, yeah, my, my, uh, was you know going back to uh, something happens. I say that a lot when I'm when I'm uh, running games, and it always gives my players an audible shudder when I say, <laughs> "And on twenty three, something happens," and they're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I know when, that feeling. 
when we were starting to uh, turn the, the online group, because it just started off as an online group, um, something that we're going to get to later in this, uh, in this episode. And uh, it, when we were thinking of turning into an actual play, we were spitballing names. And the first one that came up that seemed to be quite popular initially was Something Happens. So That's fun. That's yeah. fun. Okay, well, let's go ahead and dive into this amazing topic of online gaming, which we've kind of been flitting around here in this. So, you know, as as this world that we have keeps getting more and more digital and people are just like, hell, Francis is in England right now. And here we are sitting in, you know, the States and we're still able to, to hang out and talk. And if you can talk, you can game. And that is one of the beauties of the internet. So there's so many things that are free, like, you know, Skype is free. You just get on and you use it or TeamSpeak or Discord, whatever you want to use. Mm -hmm. But what are kind of some of the potential hurdles that you can run into and you know, like the the pro and con of this whole online gaming. See, I don't get to do it very often. <laughs> right. I you actually mostly, uh... have I actually have groups that I can sit down and play with. So for me, it's not as not as common of a thing to happen. Right. Uh, whereas I've had the experience of pretty much the last uh, fifteen years have pretty much been just online gaming for me. So it, yeah. it really comes down to just finding the right communication to fit the game that we're running. And voice has been one of the best benefits for that. And some of the ones you've mentioned, Discord, Skype, Google Hangouts, all of those have been very beneficial in terms of helping with getting that gaming environment set up. Okay. So has anybody played around with Twitch yet? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet. Are people I, <laughs> I was uh, I was part of one of the Shadow on Living communities for a while, and we had a Twitch account that we would stream uh, stream adventures. Uh, we we would stream it to the internet, and people could listen to it. And in a couple of cases, we uh, we kept the recordings and uh, stripped off some of the video and things like that. Um, but no, Twitch. Twitch is not really something that that I've played with much. Um, as a as a computer gamer, you know, the other type of gamer uh, that that is all over the internet. Um, I use an Xbox, and and so everything is is incorporated into that. I don't have to have any additional software or hardware. So yeah, I. I Twitch and Mixer as things which I've, I, I'm aware of and I use them, but I don't use them to broadcast my, my content, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, we ha I have used online streaming for uh, previous versions of the Hidden Grid stuff. Uh, we 
were using that as kind of a voice software at one point to kind of broadcast our games as we did kind of a table that way. Oh, we were using Mixler. Yes. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I do vaguely remember that. But you were doing all of the, the back-end stuff on that. I didn't have to do any work. <laughs> nice. Well, that, that was one of the key things I have found with getting any communication thing set up for online table is it really helps that the Game Master does most of the heavy lifting in the front end in terms of getting the tech set up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. <laughs> Because, yeah, that was you, one of the nice things. I didn't have to know any of it. I just had to show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you just go back to, to Mixer momentarily, and uh, sorry, Twitch. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people that stream to Mixer and Twitch use software called OBS. I'm sure a lot of people oh, yeah. will be familiar with OBS. And I have used OBS as a recording method for my podcast a couple of times because other methods have had technical issues or whatever. Uh, and at one point, we used it as a backup for a few episodes. Um, so I, I have used OBS just running locally, not connected to any streaming service. Um, so I don't know, maybe that kind of dovetails into Twitch because just streaming that. But yeah, I thought I'd mention it while we're on the topic of streaming services and things. Oh, yeah. So. But yeah, um, besides that, you know, there are still other forms of communications if you do want to do online gaming. If you're doing one that's not as quick and active as communicating voice, there's still people running online gaming in, you know, play by posts on forums or, you know, old chat rooms and BBSs and MUDs from back in the day. Those still happen. I mean, it all depends on the need of your table. And play by post, both um, the old style MUDs, BBS, you know, you post, and then the day or so later, you know, uh, the old schedule. Yeah. <laughs> that has that has also changed of late. In the last year or two, uh, there have been several Discord communities, particularly in the Shadowrun Online community, that have started using Discord servers for a real-time play-by-post, basically a, a text-based um, method of playing. Um, where you just sit there and you type everything out into Discord. Um, so oh, that wow. that has actually grown. Um, I used to, I'm involved with. I used to be the admin for the Shadowcasters BBS, part of the Shadowcasters network, or an adjunct to them. Uh, they have a Discord server, and and you can go in and chat about stuff. But you can also um, chat in character and play games on a in a text basis. It's entirely text. There's no voice at all on that server. Uh, so it's taking the, the old MUD and BBS concept and bringing it into a real-time forum thanks to Discord, or semi-real-time. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'm sure there's other communities on other systems that, that do that because you know, most voice systems like Skype and uh, Google Hangouts and TV and speak. text. They have voice channels and things which you can use for that as well. It's just I personally only use Discord for that. So now, besides you know these different communication tools, well, I'm sure you know various people have talked about you know using voice in order to communicate, but some people also might still like to have a table they can see. While I personally prefer using kind of the theater of the mind stuff. There are still a lot of good table options out there that if you want to pick them up, 
to have you know, whether war games or having minis or whatever that you can take advantage of. Some free, some paid for. It, it depends on, again, what the need of the game you're playing is. Right. Yeah, because if you were going to try to do uh, like like 3-5. 3-5 is a tough one because it's pretty tactical. And mm-hmm. So 3-5? 3-5 D&D. Oh, okay. It's, it, was, it was all... Everything was revolving around tactical movement, and I can move this many feet. If I turn, it takes up so much time. Like, it was, it was super tactical. And <laughs> if you didn't have the map there, it's hard to move. And, you know, it's like, I can move 30 feet. Okay, well, what does that actually mean? Because if you want to go through this area, well, that cuts that movement. You know, it, it's one of those, you kind of have to have something to look at. And then you also have some people, like my wife, who if we're sitting here and somebody's trying to describe a, a battlefield, she can't visualize it. Like the spatial locations of things, like she loses those. So for some people, you kind of need to have those. Certainly. And, and see, I, my experience of D and D three point five is obviously very different because I I do not in any way consider that a tactical game. We never use maps. I think that's part of the reason why I'm with theater with the mind GMs because when I started playing games, we were playing three point or three point five. Um, Earth, Dawn, Shadow, and Second Edition, and we didn't have maps at all—maps, minis, all of that. I didn't realize that was even a thing until the late 2000s, <laughs> when I moved to the US for work, and I actually encountered a different, entirely different gaming group, and and I was like, "You can do that?" <laughs> um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I agree. There are some people who who need a map; they can't visualize it, or they. It's not that they can't, they cannot retain that visualization in their mind while they're working on their own character mechanical stuff, I've I've found. Yeah, it could be a combination of those. I mean, I cut my teeth on uh, first edition AD&D. There was no map, there was, you know, like, there was a map, but, like, the GM had it behind a screen, and he was like, you walk down a five-foot-wide corridor you know, for 35 feet, you know, it, it was just like, yeah, you had to learn it. And you, if you wanted to have a map, you had to be sitting there drawing it. Yeah. And that was it. That was all there was. And, you know, it wasn't, I moved my figure five feet. Like I didn't see any of that until way later. So, Right. Yeah, I, for for me in my online groups, I I mostly theater with my GM, and I for me part of the fun of GMing is getting to describe what's happening and describe the world going on around the characters. I've, I view gaming in general as like a a movie where I'm the director and the casting guy and the props guy and everything else. And and the players are the actors playing their characters, and I basically play everything and everyone around them. But there are times when 
even I, you know, screw it, let's, let's draw a map. Um, and some of the tools available out there, um, the one I'm personally most familiar with is Roll20, um, but there are many others that, that I've heard many, many good things about. And they just kind of let you have a, a shared visualization through a map or that you've either drawn in the system or uploaded or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Roll20, I have a lot of experience with myself. Although I've been mostly using Skirmish lately. It's not as robust as Roll20, but I do kind of like the way it handles its effects and movements and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's like fantasy grounds out there too, but I, again, like I don't play online very often. So, and whenever I have, it's always been like recording a show or something. So it's almost always theater of the mind. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that's something else. I mean, I, I, when I play, I'm mostly recording podcasts and I try and avoid using maps because the, yeah. the listeners can't see the map. Yeah, unless you're running a video podcast there, that is definitely yeah, yeah, a little and problematic. Because, I mean, the recording that we're going to have this weekend, it is, it's going to be a big combat encounter. Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff happening. Um, and, and I will be, I, I have a map. Uh, I have a crude map that I've that I've prepared, and I'm going to tweak it before the session. The thing is, I'm still going to have to describe everything as if there was no map, because otherwise, it's inc- going to be incredibly boring to listen to for the listeners. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you know, I when I was part of uh, Living Community and we used Roll Twenty, that was fine because the only people listening, other than the few times we streamed to Twitch, were the players whom they could see roll 20 and when we did stream we were streaming in video so you could see the roll 20 screen yeah. um i i, I yeah it, it's six or one half of the other it's it's what works for you in the moment for the situ as the situation demands it absolutely so um now here's here's something else guys how do you find players for this <laughs> Cause, well, well, I mostly uh, kidnap my friends or get me to tell them uh, about other friends they have and then kidnap them. Virtually speaking, of course. Oh, virtual. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but See, is... I, I, when I formed my podcast, The Manor and Steel, um, I found them via a Shadowrun community discord. Shadowcasters Network Discord, and I, I basically said, you know, I'm looking for for people who who are able to play weekly in a European friendly time zone or time slot, and so I ended up with uh, some players from Germany, Serbia, Kazakhstan, Denmark, uh, and Spain. Um, of late, we've had some churn in the cast and so i now have players who are in chicago and seattle one of my players actually lives in seattle which 
uh, which for other games I've played with him before uh, in the in the living community and other places is great. But my podcast is set in London, so it, it's not really a big deal. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, that's the I, birthplace. That's the birthplace. <laughs> Seattle is a character in the sixth world. There's no there's no get around it. Yeah. Um, but so one of the other places that I've uh, I've found myself and i've had a lot of people that i play with on a relatively regular basis that say they've they've had luck with um is roll 20 forums roll 20 uh, roll 20 have their own forums as part of their interface and oh. there's there's a lot of looking for group posts up there so that's that's, that's cool. something that um a few of my friends that's how they got into the online shadow community through posts on the roll 20 forums huh Cool. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fairly. It's not the most up to date forums, (laughs) in terms of the functionality and the the look and feel of the UI. But it's uh, it's not the most outdated and um, antiquated either. So it's 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 about what you would expect from most forum based systems. It's not intended for playing. It's just intended for like posting stuff. Sure. uh, and then, of course, you got you've got um, Reddit, which you either love and or hate at any given moment, or both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah I, I'm not definitely... a I'm not a big fan of Reddit, um, but I know people who who love it to bits. So, yeah. Again, it's what works for you in any given moment. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, I mean, I've never used it, but and like I know, like. With where I live, um, you can have either war gamers or you can have people that play like uh, you know D and D Adventure League or Pathfinder Society, like you know the the society type games, and that's a lot of what you see in this area. So for me to find people, it's like, Oh, you play that game. Cool. I'm going to run a game of that. And then it's like, I I get them in and then I maybe run one or two games and I'm like, so we really want to play this other game. (laughs) Cause that's the only way I can get people because around here, if you don't do war games or, one of those two, there's a very, very small group of people that you get to play with. That's the beauty of jumping into online gaming and finding online recruiting. You're not stuck with the interests of just that community. Yeah. That is yeah. true. That is very true. Now, And also something else that I found about the online community, because of the worldwide nature um, and all of the different places and ways you can, you know, different interfaces, tools, ways of finding people, hooking up. Um, you can actually have various time slots. I mean, you know, I, I have I have a game I play with mainly US players that happens at about this time of night. Um, I have games I play in sort of late evening UK time that's sort of afternoon for them at the weekend. I have my podcast which is uh in on a, a uk afternoon on a sunday and 
when I was part of the living community, you know, I, I had both. You know, I, I could stay up and start a game at one o'clock in the morning, or I could run a game at eight p.m. and finish at midnight. You know, it, the online community has given us a lot of ways to schedule as well, as long as there's a little bit of flexibility, um, and a lot of the tools that we have are in, are massive enablers for that. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, now there's, there are some other things that you can also do. Now I happen to be a subscriber to Sirenscape and there, which is, you know, like it does sound effects and all kinds of crazy. It's got music going and you can use those things way easier if it's already because you're already on your laptop, you know, or your desktop or whatever, and you've already got it there. So it's able so, you're able to like just push it out to all the players. Yeah, that's one of the key things we talked about with in terms of getting that tech set up ahead of time, being able to bring into you know, Sirenscape as a voice option to add to the atmosphere or being able to shoot your players, you know, private messages that kind of replaces the, you know, passing notes at the table type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those type of tools and whatnot kind of just really blossom in an online environment. Yeah. And I mean, there's other, I'm sure there's other little tools that people can use that you know we don't know about but if if you do know of any go ahead and hit us up on the facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash seize the gm or come leave a comment on the website or hit us up on instagram you know all of our social media stuff come find us Tell us what you guys use and, you know, whether you're a theater of the mind GM or a, you know, I have to have a map and I have to have it working exactly how the rules say it's supposed to work, you know, let us know. So, um, some of, I know, you know, it's not quite on the, on the exact topic, but it does fit into this expanded tools. Uh, element mm-hmm. things like Hero Lab and Chummer, yeah, online character or you know electronic character um, systems. I find you know instead of having a notebook, it's all on my laptop because I'm using my laptop for the voice and maybe the maps and everything else. It's there, and also it allows sharing. I've I've managed to get my actual play group all using the uh, Hero Lab. And so mm-hmm. we can share custom content. You know, every GM makes their own stuff. It, it just, I, I, I appreciate it's not an online tool per se, and it might not help with that aspect, but it is something that's been an enabling factor for the, for the explosion of online gaming, I think. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely think that's a tool that's so beneficial to us because, yeah, you always do have this system available to you, right? Where, where you're sitting at, so yeah. yeah. Particularly with particularly with say Hero Lab that has 
the tactical console as part of the the base software. So you, I could load every one of my my player sheets into that file as well as all of the NPCs, and it's all there in front of me on my laptop and in a relatively easy system to use. So. I, We said a few minutes ago that the GM is is usually responsible for the for the heavy lifting on the tech side, and I think those sorts of character tools are are part of the the tech solution that you and your group need to come up with as a cohesive team in order to enable online play to work. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, because I I live and die by Hero Labs. Yeah, you know because the games that I tend to to be in <laughs> require a fair amount of freaking work to make a damn character. <laughs> and and the yeah. further along you go, the more and more crazy it gets. And if you forget to add this one thing, you know, those pro- a lot of those programs will do it for you. So you're not having to guess. Oh, did I do this? Did I do that? You know. Yeah. So, and if you have forgotten something, you can easily do it on the fly as you realize you've forgotten it. Yeah. And it will make all of those necessary calculations to adjust and everything else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, the ring binders of old that we used to carry everywhere with us to every gaming session have gone away because they haven't. No, I still, I still use have mine. One. <laughs> yeah. So do I. Um, I uh, put all of mine in a OneNote file now. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I still have the physical one, but I also have oodles and oodles of electronic notes, both character sheets and just notepad files and word files. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose we could, as ancillary tools to expand the 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 toolbox that GMs have to play with in online scenario, we could use things like Excel and Word because they are still useful. Yeah, especially at the end if of the you day, know how to use we, them. Yeah, I mean, we're getting information from A to B, and, and the method you use to convey that information, whether it be your voice, a map, audio files like Sirenscape and other tools of, of that ilk, or just a word file or a, or a text file that you throw at your players. Yeah. As a GM, you have to get the message. You have to get the information across; otherwise, the players don't know it's there and can't act on it, and the story stagnates or story doesn't go. Yeah. So, yeah. Granted, yeah. it's just general office use, but they still have a role in the toolbox that we as GMs use to to run our games and make the, these rich worlds that our players enjoy playing in week in week out. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think, as we are so prone to say here, we have just really scratched the surface on on online gaming, guys. So we will definitely have to come back and do uh, another dive into this because, again, it's just another facet of the world that we're in. So uh, I guess we're going to wrap that up for, for now and go ahead and Roll on into our stat blocks. 
And now we enter stat blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. Okay. Zen did you first. Ah, damn it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Aaron Deer. The cut of the figure sliding into the doorway was an impressive one, measuring 20 hands tall, where most people were lucky to be 15. It's... Clothing was covered with dust from the road. The weapon that was slung on his back looked like a metal hockey stick. The shadows in the room made it hard to see any features other than the most broad strokes. As they strode forward slowly into the room, pushing the rickety door back, his face came into view. The crisscross of scars told of a hard life met with lots of struggles. The most striking feature of his face, aside from the scars, was the third eye squinting from his right cheek. The thing that was so striking, aside from him having it at all, was the pale lime green light emitting from it. When the light struck something alive, it glowed the same color, just for a moment. His hand was fanned out and... The one reaching forward, sparks danced on the ends of his fingers, but they stopped when he touched the doorframe as he slinked into the room. His, gross, his gruff voice called out, Come out. I'm here to get you to town. I stepped out and held out my hand and made the sign of the traveler. He returned it with the sign of the warden. I grabbed my cloak from the hiding hole I'd been in. I'm glad I can call out in the mind to them for help once I'm out of the wastelands. I need the minds to help jump the scream for help and all minds help. I asked his name and he tells me it's Raph. And I thank him as only I can by telling him my name, but never in words. For I am Aridin, the mind speaker. Cool. Wait, little NPC to toss in. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So what do you got? All right. I have the golden bowl. The bowl is ringed with a golden leaf over a dark, sta- dark stained wood. It has sat on myriad tables for years, the simple wax fruit hiding its true nature. But when the previous owner passed away and the dish passed to their next kin, it added in storage for the next few decades. And now... In a state sale later, it has landed in your lap. Its nature is curious. The bowl seems to move back and forth in the house without anyone touching it, and always the fruit in the galley vanishes. When the bowl reappears, replicas of the missing fruit can be found in the bowl, but made of gold and gems. The process takes time, days for berries, weeks for apples. As long as the enriched food remains in the bowl, they retain their freshness and gleam. But once removed within 24 hours, the fruit begins to rot. The first day it rots slowly, but after two days, the process quickens as the gold and gems begin to spoil and melt. After a week, while still made of precious stone and jewels, the fruit will be pungent and rotten. So long as the fruit-shaped objects remain in the bowl, it will not move. Even if it's fake wax fruit, wooden berries, or other fake food items, the bowl will remain stationary. 
Only real fruit will become gilded. Fine. I decided to avoid horror for once and just make kind of a, <laughs> you know, yeah, a miscellaneous yeah. magic item. I know. I, 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 I am notorious for going pretty dark. And this was like one time I'm like, I don't need to go super dark here. I mean, creepy's fun, but sometimes it's okay to step away from creepy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and, and flip on into our lexicon. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. Okay. The word is prolate. That's when a professional athlete is late to something, right? No. I get these one of these days. You you might. You might. No, it, it's a uh, it's an adjective. And it is elongate the definition is actually elongated in the direction of a line joining the poles. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. And its history is uh, Latin. Prolatus. Past participle of profera, or to bring forward or extend. So. And its first known use was 1715, and its popularity is the bottom 20% of words. So, yeah. A weird little word. <laughs> it's going somewhere. It is. Mostly towards the pulse. Yes. North or south. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, this is, this. we're kind of wrapping this up pretty quick tonight. So let's go ahead and hit some closing remarks and then get out of here for the night. Francis, you got anything? Uh, not, not especially, you know, just, just uh, you know, the, the, uh, the old, the old staples, you know, shoot straight, conserve ammo and only deal with the right dragon. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, what do you got? Well, since we are talking about online gamings, I do want to hype a friend of mine's kind of online table. Um, a friend of mine, Christiana Ellis, runs a Twitch stream for her game So Many Levels, where she basically uses the method of using a webcam to point down at her desk for if she has maps or handouts, whatever, for her players. And they've run D&D. They're experimenting with some other different systems, but primarily 5th edition D&D. So it's cool if you want to see how someone who's been podcasting for a while does a virtual table. Okay. Cool. And so I started rewatch. Well, there's a show that I talked about like probably a year ago. And it's, uh, it might even be longer. It might have been two years ago. But it's iZombie. And this season, the fourth season, I think, is the last one. And it's on Netflix, but it's an adaptation off of a comic. And it is super... I I always forget how good it is until I'm sitting there watching it. 
And then I'm just like, oh my god, this is so good. And there's little, like, quippy little things that they, you know, throw out and stuff that most people just, it just kind of passes over. But if you pay attention, there's a lot of really hilarious little goofy things because the main character is a zombie and the way their mythology works is is if the zombies eat someone's brain they take on the personality of them that's a little bit and they also will have flashes of their life like that led to their death so it's kind of like that seeing through a dead man's eye thing and um, it's really funny because one of the other vampires that's in it, like one of the episodes I watched the other day was like, it was, it was a father and daughter who get killed and she works for the medical examiner's office. So she gets access to these bodies. And so she takes and eats the dad's brain. And they're like, well, we need to find out what's going on with her. And her ex-fiance is this like kind of buff guy. And he ends up eating this teenage daughter's brain. So it's so funny to see them playing off of each other, like gender opposite. And it's just, it's silly at times, but it's also got some really, really dark themes that it talks about. So it is definitely worth checking out. If you get the chance. Sounds pretty fun. Yeah. So, well, I guess that goes ahead and wraps us up, folks. So, just until next time, have fun. Take care. DTFN. Contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050 Gardemanger. And the show's Twitter account is at Seize the GM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Seize the GM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seizethegm.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And we thank you. Joining us for this episode of CCGM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. 
His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.